Hello and welcome to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kelly, and I am a clinically trained therapist, emotional wellness and life coach, and healer. My mission is to help as many humans as possible feel safe to feel their feelings in order to create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you for being here and let's dive in. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. So we are going to give these headphones another try because for those of you who listened to the first episode and I was referencing dogs barking and planes flying by and then people commented and was like, I didn't hear any dogs. I didn't hear any planes. And I was like, damn, are these noise canceling headphones? Cause I did not think they were. And then I used them during one of my groups and everyone could hear the barking. So not really sure if this is actually going to block out the dogs and the planes and the cat <laughs> and any other, you know, animals. I think those are all my animals, all three of them. So if you can hear the background noise again, thank you for your patience. Thanks for bearing with me. I, uh, I have a zoo, so let's dive in. So today I really want to talk about triggers the nervous system and fear of abandonment. This is going to be a very vulnerable one for me because fear of abandonment is a core wound of mine from childhood that I have been working with my coach Yaro to heal. And it has been an incredibly painful and difficult one to heal. So a little bit about triggers and the nervous system so that you guys have some background as to how we think about when triggers happen and the core wounds that are being triggered. So when I first started working with my mentor, she taught me the nervous system from combination of a polyvagal theory perspective, as well as her training from world-renowned Dr. Gabor Mate. I never know if I'm saying his name correctly, but we love Gabor. So shout out to him. So she taught me the nervous system in terms of a ladder. So if you imagine this ladder and the bottom is called dorsal vagal, the middle is called sympathetic, and the top is called ventral. So ventral is the state of safety, connection, joy, home, love. Sympathetic is our fight or flight, our anxiety. This can show up as overworking, overthinking, overdoing, all of the overs. And then dorsal is shut down. So it's when our bodies get so exhausted from sympathetic that we then go into shutdown. So this may show up as depression, binge watching TV, binge using substances, binging, all the binging, binging eating, all of the um, ways to numb and avoid and kind of distract. So most of society is living in this trauma loop between sympathetic and dorsal. We rarely get to our ventral state unless we intentionally do the healing work to rewire our nervous system, which is what I was put on this earth to do is help the humans heal and rewire their nervous systems. Because in our society, we live in a traumatized world. So there's trauma happening every time you walk outside 
of your home. There's wars going on. There's shootings going on. There's earthquakes, tornadoes, you name it, it's happening. And so we go to work during the day and society reinforces this hustle culture where we're overworking and just kind of numbing ourselves out with work. And then we're so exhausted. So by the time we get home, we just want to lay on the couch and watch Netflix, go to bed and do the same thing over and over. And I lived this lifestyle for the majority of my life up until I started my business. Or I guess I should say up until I moved to California, I moved to California, um, August 5th, 2019. And I had two more part-time jobs here and some days still looked like that. Some days still looked like seeing back to back to back clients and then feeling so exhausted that I, all I wanted to do was watch TV. So we rarely get to ventral because we don't feel safe to just slow down and safe to just be because our nervous system is still in survival mode. And although we talk a lot about big T trauma, so in the first episode, I spoke about my personal big T trauma, which was my childhood leukemia. We don't talk enough as a society about relational trauma. So this is attachment wounding trauma. This is as a child, not getting the type of attunement that you needed. And keep in mind, love and attunement are two very different things. So our parents can love the shit out of us but we may not be attuned to. First of all, every child's psychological makeup is different. So there's no way that a child could be 100% attuned to 100% of the time. That's just not realistic. Second of all, because of the society we live in, our parents' nervous systems are dysregulated and filled with stored pain, stored trauma from their childhood, and then the trauma cycle continues. So In order to heal this trauma loop, we have to show our bodies that it's safe to be in ventral. So ways that we do that, we do daily habits like meditating, chanting, journaling, yoga, cold showers, like things that really help our bodies come back to the present. Because if I were to summarize trauma healing in a nutshell, it would be feeling safe to be in the present. The majority of the time we are operating from our unconditional habitual programming, trauma, nervous system wiring, as if it's still in survival mode. And we're not actually getting to a place where we feel safe to only be in survival mode if we actually need to be. So my favorite example of the bear chasing us, if you think about us living our lives from a place of a bear always chasing us, and this you know, if you guys have seen that meme (laughs) floating the internet where it's like, I wish that my fight or flight kicked in when there was an actual emergency and not just when responding to an email. This is so relatable. How many of you have freaked out and overthought and overanalyzed just sending an email or sending a text, feeling hypervigilant to another person's emotions, feeling like you are just stuck in your head, overthinking, overthinking, overthinking. We can all relate to that. And the best part about doing the work to rewire your nervous system is to actually only be in survival mode when you need to be, which like 99% of the time we're actually safe. That's the most beautiful 
wild, crazy thing about all of this is that most of the time we're actually safe. So I want to transition into triggers. Triggers are always historical. Triggers are when your body gets activated. So from a non-triggered place, someone might do something like maybe your boss sends you an email at work that's a little abrasive, or maybe your partner kind of snaps at you, or maybe something happens that hurts your feelings and you're able to just be like, oh, that was shitty. And maybe tend to the emotion a little bit, feel it and move forward. A trigger is when your body feels so activated that it's stuck. It's stuck in this historical wound. So that's when we're talking about being in the sympathetic dorsal loop, your body's operating from trauma that happened in the past as if it were happening in the present, or your mind is living in the future, what my mastermind group likes to call future tripping. And your mind is just going and going like, what if this, what if this, and it's living in the future. So growing up, my dad and I would always talk about how depression was like living in the past. Anxiety was living in the future. And we never just feel safe to be in the present. And triggers are always historical. They're always that younger part of us that's feeling really scared, really sad, pain coming up, whatever it might be. But because we're not always conscious and aware of what's happening, we then respond in the present based on the perception of the past. And so then shit gets real messy. (laughs) It's a good time. It's always fun. But I always tell my clients, as painful as these triggers are, they are the most powerful gateway to healing because then you are able to actually feel the pain that as a child, you didn't have the space or the safety to feel, and you're able to feel it in the present to heal it and be able to choose and relate differently. So. I want to talk about a trigger that happened for me last night, and this is pretty fresh in my body and my mind, and it's a trigger that is my go-to trigger. It is my, the trigger that continues to happen over and over again. This trigger roots back to my fear of abandonment as a child. So before I released the first episode of this podcast, I had a really beautiful conversation with my dad. I called him and I said, you know, we were talking about some other boring stuff like taxes and then (laughs) moved on. And I said, listen, this episode is coming out tomorrow. And I tell the story of my leukemia and our family. And I just want to make sure that I like have the facts down the timeline because I was so young. And we get into this whole conversation for about an hour and he's filling me in. And every time we talk about this, it's the same stories over and over, but there's always this new information that he gives me that continues to fill in the the missing pieces, the puzzle in my mind. And so he was talking about all the different ways that as a child, I could have perceived abandonment because I was telling him that the sphere of abandonment has been such a core wound for me that I wasn't even aware of in doing this healing work with my coach. I realized I had anxious attachment, but I didn't realize how strong my fear of abandonment was. And so I'm telling my dad this and he's like, well, yeah, it makes sense that you felt like you were being abandoned because you know, my mom started having her, her affair, whether it was just emotional or physical at the time while I was in the womb. And then 
she also had a lot of anxious attachment, fear of abandonment. Um, she also had a lot of borderline traits and this all, you know, affected her nervous system wiring. So when I was in the womb, I'm taking on, you know, when, when we're in the womb or when we're born, we take on our environment, the stress around us. And so not only was it her trauma that affected my nervous system, but it was also everything that was happening in my family. My dad revealed that he and my mom almost broke up months after I was born and they didn't, they didn't technically divorce until I was about five. And he was like, no, we actually almost divorced months after you were born. And then they didn't. And my dad decided to, you know, continue to fight for the relationship, despite my mom, you know, saying that she had feelings for our nanny and just all this stuff that was happening. So their relationship was super tumultuous. There was a lot of tension, a lot of fighting. Um, my dad was feeling a lot of fear that my mom was going to try and get custody. There was talk about her moving to San Francisco. I mean, all this stuff I didn't even know. Um, apparently, my grandparents were also, you know, potentially separating. They they never did, but all of this stuff was happening. And during the first, you know, few months of my life all of this in, environmental stress, all of the relational stress, it impacted me. And then fast forward when I got the leukemia, which something that my mentor and I have processed a lot is, you know, especially stemming from um, Gabor Mate's work is he talks a lot about how emotional needs can get met and through physical illness and how a lot of stored emotional pain can then become physical illness. So he talks about this in his book, the body says no. And so we talked about how the leukemia could have been from past life trauma. My mom had been to a psychic that had kind of told her similar things. And it also could have been my body learned that that was how I got my needs met. And sometimes it's really painful to think about it that way, because you know, I never, ever want my parents to feel like it was their fault or shame or any of that because it's no one's fault. It's, we all do what we need to do to get our needs met. And so I think what resonates most in my body is that it's a combination of past life trauma. If you believe in past lives, I definitely do. And current life trauma. And between all of that, the leukemia developed. And then after my treatment ended, like right afterwards, my dad was describing it as like, you know, you just went through this traumatic thing of almost losing your child. And then just months after they were getting divorced and my mom was, we were still living at the house with my dad and my mom was leaving every night to go be with the nanny and he was like, no wonder you felt abandoned. I was working to keep us afloat. He was working like six, seven days a week. And you would wake up in the middle of the night and your brother would wake up in the middle of the night and ask for a mom and she wasn't there. And it felt like you were being abandoned, especially after almost dying from that 108 fever. So there was a huge core wound of fear of abandonment. And what happens for me is anytime I perceive someone invalidating me. So if I'm expressing something and I want validation for how I'm feeling, and if the person doesn't 
say it in a way that feels satisfying or makes me feel like I'm truly understood and seen and safe, it then perpetuates this dysregulation. And it took a lot of this happening with my coach because it only shows up with my romantic partners and my coach, like the most intimate relationships. And that's because I've allowed her to see all parts of me. I fully surrendered to the relationship with her because I'm like, I want to heal. I want like my triggers of this, this fear of abandonment is actually what led me to hiring her. And so I'm like, okay, if I hired her to heal this, I need to show her what happens for me in order to heal it. And so we've had numerous instances where I get triggered, I feel invalidated, and then there's confusion about what's actually happening. And through enough of these times happening, she was help, she was able to help me identify that the core emotion is fear, fear of abandonment. If this person can't hear me, see me, understand me, then they can't meet my needs. And if they can't meet my needs, there's risk of abandonment. And so as adult, as an adult, I consciously understand that I can't, we can't be abandoned as adults. And yet when this gets triggered in me, it's that younger part of me that actually was perceiving abandonment from my mom in combination with being so sick, so young and feeling so alone, feeling so alone in how I was feeling. My family was there every step of the way through the leukemia, but actually experiencing that sickness and being the only one in my family that was sick it felt really isolating, especially compared to all of my friends who weren't sick. And it, it just felt like this feeling of I'm alone. And so that also contributed to the fear of abandonment. So enough times of these triggers happening, we've been able to identify that it's fear. We've been able to identify that a lot of times I'm I'm projecting onto the person because I'm just so desperately trying to get my needs met. And it feels like if I don't get validated in that moment, it literally feels like I'm so unsafe, I'm going to die. And for any of those people that can relate to this, or if you're listening to this and you're like, I have no idea what she's talking about, either one is okay. It goes back to the fact that trauma shows up differently for each and every one of us. And this core wound brought me a lot of shame because I reflect back on all my relationships and I made the person wrong. I made them feel inadequate as, as my partner. I made them feel like they didn't know how to meet my needs well enough, but they didn't actually know what was happening for me. And I didn't even know what was happening for me. So that's where I had to take radical responsibility and say this, if this is happening with each and every partner, there's no way that it can be them. There's no way that it it's just, oh, each of them are just shitty boyfriends. Like, no, at some point you have to realize, okay, if this is coming up again and again, something within me is coming up that needs to be healed. And so after one of a one of the triggering nights that happened with me and my coach where I was feeling invalidated and um usually with anxious attachment, when the person then reconnects to you after a conflict or a fight you then feel that sense of relief. For me, it wasn't that activation was still so present until I got the exact validation that I needed to feel understood, to feel like I wasn't crazy 
And it was the session after that, where we went into session, knowing that we were going to have to process what had come up. And I told her, I said, I'm feeling really anxious about today. And she says, I know. And without kind of going any further than that, she just looked at me and she said, I think you suffer from some borderline traits. And I burst out into tears, hysterically crying because my mom had borderline, like more full-blown borderline. And so I just associated it with her and I associated it with all of the pain that happened during my childhood and during my relationship with her because she suffered from borderline and never got help for it. And my coach looks at me and she says, Rachel, this is not a death sentence. This can be healed. And it was an incredibly emotional, life-changing session. Oh, just taking a breath because I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. It was a really, really profound session. And there was a lot of fear that came with it. There was a lot of exploration. We were looking at different articles together, just kind of researching it together. And we came to the conclusion that I don't have full-blown borderline personality disorder, but that I have borderline episodes. So on the day-to-day, when I'm feeling safe and I'm feeling secure, securely attached, all of that, it doesn't show up. But those moments that I get triggered, those episodes where I get triggered and my body is so activated, I can't stop crying. I feel so much fear in my body. I feel like I'm dying. I feel like so not understood. I feel like so alone. I actually wrote something to her during this episode last night, which was the most recent episode. And she told me to save it so that anytime I started feeling triggered again, I would be able to go back to it and connect to the emotion. Because what happens during this is there's so much shame around needing the validation and so much shame of how activated my inner child gets that I then end up trying to get my needs met in what's called crafty ways. And the the ironic thing about this is that my job before starting this business was at a DBT center. DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, was created primarily for borderline patients. And when I was studying DBT, it felt so healing and so reparative for me to really understand my mom on a different level and have such deep compassion and empathy for her. But I think it was also the universe preparing me to heal this wound. I had no idea it was related to borderline, but essentially the parts that resonate for me, because when we talk about diagnosing or labels or, you know, attaching certain names to certain symptoms, it can be talked about in a very all or nothing black or white way which actually black or white thinking is a borderline symptom. (laughs) But in reality, all it is, it's an extreme fear of abandonment. So it's basically like we knew I had the anxious attachment, but there was something else that we were trying to figure out, like what's happening for me in these episodes? What's happening when I get these symptoms? And that's when we realized that the borderline traits or episodes, it's like this even deeper version of the anxious attachment. 
So I'm going to read you part of the message that I wrote. And I think it does a really beautiful job of explaining how it feels in those moments when I get triggered. So first I said, it's okay. It's not your fault because she was saying that, you know, she's sorry that she didn't know how to validate me in the right way. And this is all, this is her. And then also all my partners of like feeling like they're doing a shitty job. Whereas in reality, it's not their responsibility. Number one. And number two, it's up to me to communicate how I'm actually feeling and what I actually need rather than talking about it in a light way, because I'm feeling so much shame for what I need. So I said, I'm more regulated, but scared to talk about it and get dysregulated again. I'm just feeling sad, sad that I make every person I'm close to feel inadequate at meeting my needs when it's not their job to sad that this turned into a whole thing because I couldn't just communicate directly and had to speak about it lightly when I knew there was something brewing underneath. Sad that I feel so incredibly alone right now. Sad that I still feel misunderstood. And just wanting you to validate my feelings around it. I'm just skipping around a little bit because it's a pretty long message. Um, Sad that you couldn't do that because of my lack of direct communication, which, which once again, makes it feel like it's my fault and me having to take ownership. Sad that I feel like no one knows how to meet my needs, including myself. Sad that once I felt calm, I realized it all just triggered the same wound of fear of abandonment. That if I feel no one can hold space for me and understand me, that brings up fears of people not being able to meet my needs and feels like risk of abandonment. Sad that it still feels so strong, like I want to die when I'm feeling it and like I'm going to die when I feel invalidated. I'm so tired of all the time and energy spent on this when there's so much else I want to be focusing on. It feels like I can't catch a break from the triggers and the sphere of abandonment showing up so strongly and sneakily everywhere. I need validation for how it makes me feel before I can feel calm enough to explore it further and just needing holding, but I didn't communicate that. So another learning lesson for me and the response from my coach in this moment was ironically, incredibly validating. She started tearing up and she said, I can feel so deeply how big this is for you and how hard it is for you and how painful it is for you. And even if she can't fully experience it or understand it to the exact degree as I'm experiencing it, just having someone be able to care so deeply and be with me when I'm in that triggered and dysregulated of a state helped me feel so much less alone and helped me feel like she really understood just how scary it feels. And this is something that my family doesn't fully know or fully understand that I go through because they don't see it. It's something that my clients or the world would never guess by just looking at me. It's something that only my partners and now my coach have seen. And so when we first had this realization of these borderline episodes, 
I had to sit with so much shame and confusion and fear of what that meant for me. But it also felt like the biggest relief in the world to be able to understand what's actually happening for me in those moments. And that's the thing is when we get triggered, it feels so scary that we just want it to end. We just want the trigger to be done. And we project out onto other people. I just had a conversation with a client about that today where she was saying that she got triggered and she projected onto her partner. And I said, I totally relate and I get it. And I've been there. And the best thing we can do is actually get clear on what is the emotion that's happening? Because we can say we're getting triggered or we're getting activated, but what's the actual emotion? Are you feeling fear? When my coach and I realized that fear was underneath feeling invalidated because invalidated isn't actually an emotion. When we got clear on that, it made so much more sense that if a child is feeling scared and feeling like they're going to be abandoned, what do they need in that moment? And it allowed myself to begin to tend to my younger self in that way. It allowed my coach to be able to co-regulate with me in a more effective way. It changed everything. And so this thing that I've been living with that has shown up in all of my most intimate relationships, and keep in mind that romantic relationships really are the closest thing to a child's parent relationship, even though that sounds really fucking weird, but it's true. Think about a child and a parent being in such a close attachment and then child grows up, starts dating, and then they get married or have a significant other and their partner becomes that primary attachment. So then those two people are inner, (laughs) their inner wounded children are just projecting onto each other, triggering each other. I mean, oh my God, it's just wild when you think about it that way. And because I have my coach as my primary attachment right now, I'm intentionally not dating. I've told the universe, I am not ready yet. I want to heal this damn thing before I get into a relationship. Not that I can control the timing, but I can, you know, set my intention for my energy and where my energy is going. And it is not going towards actively finding a partner. I will let it happen naturally or when I feel more ready. But looking back at how this affected all my partners and listen, like it always takes two to tango, right? Every relationship, there's those activated inner children just battling each other and no couple is actually getting to the root of what is actually happening because we're not taught about inner child healing. We're not taught about triggers. We're not taught about any of this. And there's still so much stigma I wasn't sure if I was even going to share on this podcast or share anywhere about these borderline episodes because there's so much stigma. There's so much stigma. I had so much stigma just because of my experience with my mom that as soon as I heard the word borderline, my whole body was like, oh my God, no, not me, not me, not me. Like there was so much stigma and shame around it. And if anything, it just makes me be able to better empathize with my mom while also still holding how much pain and trauma was passed down. And this is why I am so passionate about healing and breaking those cycles because my grandparents had their trauma, which then, you know, I mean, my grandma would tell when my sister was pregnant, she was having the twins. My grandma would tell her stories about when she 
was a new mom and she would go into Bloomies, her favorite store. She'd go into Bloomingdale's with the other moms and leave the babies in the strollers outside of the store. I mean, how would a baby not develop a fear of abandonment at that point? Because they're not being held. They're not being attuned to. So because my mom didn't get her emotional needs met, she developed more full-blown borderline. And then because of that, I then got passed down this, you know, her inability to meet my emotional needs because she was just so busy trying to get her needs met. And I can't blame her because I do the same thing and trying to get my needs met. So when we look at these things from a place of attachment and inner child and what's actually happening for a child, and then as they grow up, they're still searching for those needs to be met that weren't met in childhood it allows us to have so much more compassion and empathy for one another. It allows us to release the stigma, to release the shame and be like, we're just all trying to get our needs met. And it can bring up so much shame in the ways in which we try and get those needs met. I look back at my relationships and even with my relationship with my coach now, and there's so much shame around how I projected out onto them and made it their fault and their responsibility and made them not feel good enough and acted like a wound up two-year-old having a temper tantrum. And now that I'm able to understand and see what's happening of this inner two-year-old feeling so terrified, like she's being trapped back in the past where she felt like she was being abandoned. And every time that gets triggered, she goes into full blown survival mode and it's such strong survival mode that even when consciously I can orient back to the present and say, I'm safe. I'm an adult. I am not being abandoned. I am okay. The trigger from that past, from those times where I actually felt abandoned, it is so strong that even the conscious things I could tell myself in that moment is not going to do it. However, what we can do is when we have the awareness to really explore and when we release the shame enough to actually explore what's happening, we're able to get to the root. And when we're able to get to the root, we're able to understand what's happening in those moments and be able to choose how to relate to it. So how I related differently last night was I actually put my phone away. Normally I would just blow up Yara's Voxer and be like, until I would get what I needed, but I put the phone down and I breathed and I cried. I put cold water on my face. I put an ice bag on my chest and I came back to the present. I made dinner. I took out the dogs. I did some chanting. And then I picked up the phone again when I was feeling more regulated. And I said, this was the first time I was ever able to regulate without getting the validation first. And it's not that Yara wasn't able to validate me. It was that I didn't actually communicate what I needed validating or validation on that. She was trying to meet my needs. She was trying to validate me, but it was all just coming out so sideways because of the lack of communication on my end. And so being able to take responsibility for that and be like, oh, I see where I didn't communicate this. And I see why I didn't communicate it because there was fear. There was fear around being invalidated. 
there was fear around asking for my needs to be met because as a child, I didn't feel safe to do that. There's this memory I have from childhood that I've shared uh, before with my coach where I would be at the movie theaters with my mom and I don't even know what was happening. Maybe I was having like a temp tantrum. Maybe I was just needing her attention, but I remember I would just like, I know this sounds <laughs> maybe a little creepy, but I literally would just stare at her. She would be watching the screen and I would be looking at her and I just, all I wanted was for her to look at me back. And whether it was because I was feeling upset and I needed some support or because I was feeling scared or because I felt like she wasn't paying attention to me, whatever it was. And I told my coach, I said, why didn't I just ask her or like get her attention? Like, Hey mom. And she said, cause you didn't feel safe to. And that still shows up where I don't fully feel safe to ask my coach for my needs, even though I know that it is safe with her, but little me doesn't always fully trust that because everyone's human. And the reality is, is that people are going to say shit that's invalidating and it's not anyone's responsibility to say things in a perfect way that makes my inner child feel validated, validated, but it's my responsibility as building the secure attachment within myself as becoming my own primary attachment that I can notice when she's trying to get her needs met and continue to practice giving her those needs. And most importantly, being with the fear that comes with this fear of abandonment. So the fact that last night I was able to relate differently by putting my phone away, regulating without getting the exact type of validation I wanted, showing my body I'm still safe, and being able to take full accountability for my part and how the trigger developed and how I got activated to begin with because of my communication, because of my fear and shame around communication. Then she was able to see it and be like, yes, this all makes sense. And so the ironic loop of this, when it comes to validation is like, we all need to feel held and seen and supported, but when there's an activation behind it, and I talk a lot about this with my anxious attachment group, when there's an activation and a trigger in your body, that's the inner child. And that is your responsibility as well as, you know if you have a mentor or coach or therapist that you're working on this with to help give that to yourself, because you may need someone to help give it to you first in order to learn how to give it to yourself. That's why we co-regulate to self-regulate. And so what I was saying about the ironic loop of this validation cycle is that had I just communicated from the beginning, what I was needing and how I was feeling rather than making light of it, I could have actually gotten the validation I needed, but because I was so afraid of being invalidated or that not, you know, not making sense, I then didn't communicate directly, which then led to feeling invalidated. So the fear of invalidation then led to the invalidation rather than being with the fear, choosing to do the scary thing, and then actually allowing that to help be that reparative experience and getting my needs met. So I could talk about this forever because it is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It's a very vulnerable one. Um, you know, my coach and I have talked a lot about how much I actually want to share about this because again, there's so much 
misunderstanding about what actually all of this is. But I think that it's so important to continue to break stigma around these things because it's the shame and the stigma that actually blocks us from healing these things and from connecting with one another and realizing that I was so fearful of, you know, my mom having borderline and what that would mean while also finding such great relief in it. And then to think that I could share some of those similar traits felt so scary, but also so relieving. And so it's a reminder that we don't know what people are going through. And the more that we stigmatize, the more that we carry shame, the more that we let shame driver behavior and hide certain parts of us. I mean, how could I not share this when literally my whole mission and passion in life is to show people that it is safe to show all parts of you, even the parts that you feel the most shame around. Because at the end of the day, when the shame says, oh, you know, this makes you a sick person or a weird person or a wrong person, or you're going to be abandoned because of it, it all goes back to the root of abandonment, that fear of abandonment of, oh, if I tell people that I have these traits, are they going to accept me? And that goes for anything that we feel shame around. We're all just fearful of abandonment because we are connection-based creatures. We need connection. We need attachment. But we also need to build secure attachment to ourselves so that we can actually relate to others from an authentic, aligned place rather than from our inner child just trying to get their needs met. So the more that we're able to get radically honest with ourselves, look at what's happening for us without the shame. And if shame comes up, which it will being with it without allowing it to make it mean something about you. There was a few days after that session with my coach where I like was looking at myself and I was like, do I even know who I am? Cause you have to remember trauma disconnects us from our core authentic selves and trauma healing is reconnecting us back to our core authentic selves. And sometimes it feels worse before it gets better. Sometimes we have to look at these parts that feel so fragmented and disconnected and being like, who am I? And going through all these like existential crises and then realize when we get down and deep into it with support, of course, because then it can feel really triggering and dysregulating without it. We're able to, to bring ourselves back together actually from a place of wholeness and healed energy and authenticity. And we, we actually feel safe to be in the present and to relate from our authentic selves. And there is nothing more healing for the world than that. We all need our authentic selves to show up in this world. But if we are operating from trauma and from stored pain from attachment wounds and letting our inner child run the show, like mine was for all of my relationships and my entire life. I mean, when I look back at my relationships, I'm like, oh yeah, that one made me feel safe, made my inner child feel safe. That one triggered my inner child. That one avoided, you know, like I can now see it so clearly. And that's why I believe that each relationship is meant to serve a really deep healing purpose and role in your transformation, in your healing journey. It's all bringing the shadows to the light. It's all bringing these repressed parts of us to the light. So I hope in sharing this story and about my fear of abandonment and my triggers and how I'm shifting it and healing it and showing my inner child that even though she once felt abandoned, she is 
no longer, she no longer needs to feel that way. And I'm here with her and I have other people that are here with her. And that is helping me build that secure attachment in myself. I hope it can normalize what, whatever you are going through in terms of getting triggered, getting activated and encouraging you to really look at what's happening because it all makes sense. Even when you feel batshit crazy, trust me, there are so many moments where I'm like, what is happening? But I promise you it is so worth it to just deepen a little bit each and every time, get more curious, always coming back to a place of compassion for yourself, knowing that you are just trying to get your needs met. This is how your body has known safety and rewiring your nervous system is literally no easy job. And it is the most worthwhile thing you can do so that you can actually feel the way you want to feel. I told my coach today, if I can heal this and shift it fully and completely, which I fully believe I can, that's a beautiful thing is that we don't need to attach on to these things. I could experience borderline symptoms in this moment or not in this moment, but let's say last night, but continuing to shift it where I don't have to have that anymore. It's the same with any mental health issue, any nervous system issue, any attachment wounding issue. We have the power to heal it, but we have to feel it to heal it. So I would love to know your thoughts about this. If any of it resonates, if you are needing support, I have my group come home to yourself starting next month. And this is specifically for those women who understand how that feels and what I'm describing, that fear of abandonment, that fear of being left behind, that graspiness, the need for external validation, all of that. And I promise you, if I can do it, so can you. So reach out in the DMs and email, whatever way you want to reach me. I love chatting and connecting with you. And this group is just so powerful. The women who just completed the first round just walked out different versions of themselves and they came in and it is just my greatest honor. And literally what I am obsessed with in this life is being able to see people transform and step into their most powerful, abundant, authentic selves and alchemizing their pain just the way that I continue to alchemize my pain. Because if we're gonna go through pain, why the hell not use it? to allow us to live our dream life, right? It's all for learning. It's all for evolving, all for growing. So thank you for being here and I will see you guys in the next episode. Love you so much.